Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. You are listening to The Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under networks. For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today. All right, what's up, Pels fans? Welcome to another episode of the Bird Calls podcast, your second one today. You are welcome. I'm your host and contributor to thebirdrights.com, Preston Ellis. And right now we're talking J.J. Redick with, again, Mr. Ali Cosell and our new friend, I hope I'm doing this right, Adam Aronson. Uh, did I nail that? Yep, nailed it. Sweet. You guys can follow him at uh, Sixers Adam. He is a contributor for Liberty Ballers. Anything else that I missed that you want our listeners to know about? Nope, that's it. Sweet. Let's go ahead and dive right on in. J.J. Redick, uh, this is how old we're getting, Ali. Uh, he's one of the older players in the NBA, but he's still just one day older than my wife, and he's obviously younger than me. But in terms of uh, NBA years, he's kind of uh, approaching dinosaur-type status, 35 years of age, uh, born in 84, got a lot of miles on him, a lot of minutes on him. He's played 70 games or more in each of the past five seasons. However, uh, there's no reason to think that he's slowing down. His numbers are still up, 39.7% from three-point range last season 28 games of 20 points scored or more so Adam you got to watch him up close and personal uh pretty much last year in terms of the regular season and the playoffs has he lost a step um I'm not sure he's definitely lost some sort of step athletically uh but his value on the court has never been too dependent on his athleticism uh even when he's moving off the ball and getting free from defenders running around screens that's much more about deception and scheme than it is pure, like, just, like, foot speed. Uh, so I don't think he's lost any steps that will uh, dramatically impact his on-court production. Ali, you want to uh, yeah. co-host? Yeah, one? I want to add some to that because, I mean, while you said he, he's getting up there in age, I think he, he's, you know, honestly getting finer like, a, you know, good wine. Because if you look at his stats, everything's been kind of going up. And, you know, last year he scored the most points he ever has per game. And if you really look overall, I mean, he's got, what, about 21, 22,000 regular season minutes and then about another three playoff minutes. So in terms of, you know, that maybe being a knock on his longevity, I don't see it because if you compare, say, a Kobe who surpassed well over 50,000, Steve Nash had surpassed 40,000. I mean, I think... He's got plenty left in the tank. And according to even the Reddick himself, he once got some really good advice from Steve Nash a long time ago 
on how to basically prepare yourself as you get older and uh, how to, you know, just keep your body right through a long 82 game season. So I personally have no worries whatsoever. And as Adam alluded to, this guy never relied on athleticism, right? He was never beating guys off the dribble, throwing down on people. So he was always more about deception, getting himself open. And of course, making that sweet jumper. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and in terms of foot speed, that's always going to be something that he's going to be heavily relying on. Uh, guys chasing him uh, across the perimeter, underneath the basket uh, to get himself just that little crevice of space he needs to launch that three-point shot. Uh, Adam, let's go ahead and jump into his defensive skill set because that's something a lot of our listeners are going to want to know more about. J.J. Redick might be forced to play in three-guard lineups this season because the Pelicans are so deep at that position. Seven backcourt players, Lonzo, Frank Jackson, Nikhil, Josh Hart, each one more drew holiday among others now uh obviously uh we don't anticipate jj reddick to play many minutes at the three defensively he's not going to want to be matched up against those players they probably slide lonzo or drew holiday to that position but in terms of his defensive effect he's actually been quite good uh for the 76ers and before that the los angeles clippers last year on the defensive side of the ball the 76ers were 5.8 points better per 100 possessions obviously he's sharing a lot of his time on the floor with jimmy butler with joel Embiid uh but in terms of his overall effect on the defensive side of the ball is he as much a detriment as probably public perception would have you believe um in the regular season definitely not uh he has like he's a smart player very smart and he has the necessary effort level to remain at least competent defensively in the regular season the issue is really in the playoffs where uh teams are hunting down guys like Redick who are six foot three or six foot two with short arms and not great athleticism where I'll give you an example. When, when the Sixers played the Celtics in the second round two years ago, uh, they were just getting him switched onto whoever they wanted. And let's say it was Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown. That's now a massive size advantage. And those guys could just get to the rim at will. Uh, so really I would be more worried about his defense in the playoffs than I would be in the regular season, especially because, you know, the Sixers help mask him with great defensive personnel. And the Pelicans don't have a Joel Embiid, but they have some great defenders. Obviously, Drew Holiday can take the top perimeter assignment. Lonzo Ball, also a great defender. Zion should be excellent there as well. Uh, so I wouldn't start worrying about Redick defensively until the playoffs. And if you get to that point, uh, I think it's pretty clear that the signing was a success. I've got a question for you, Adam, and it pertains to because there's been some talk, not a lot. We're pretty sure that the Pelicans are going to be able to start if everyone's healthy. Lonzo Ball at the one, Drew at the two, Brandon Ingram at the three, Zahn at the four, and Derek Favors at the five. Uh, so obviously, Redick would come off the bench. Now, with you guys, did Redick seem to function better or did you even notice a difference between him starting versus him coming off the bench? And or just give us your take also on what you think is a better fit for him in the NBA, which role that is. Uh, so he, he came off the bench for the first 15 to 20 games of the year last year. I forget the exact number, but that was because Markel Fultz was back and the Sixers wanted to give him a starting role and, and try to make him feel as comfortable as he could as he tried to, uh, you know, revive his value. Um, and in the first 20 games of the year last season, JJ made only 35% of his threes from the rest of the season on. He made 41%. Uh, so I don't know if that is specifically having to do with whether or not he's on the court for the opening tip. Um, but I will say this. Reddick was almost entirely reliant by the end of the year on Joel Embiid. 
those two played a lot together, and there was eventually a point where it seemed like J.J. struggled mightily to get open looks consistently when he wasn't playing with Embiid. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, so I, I have the numbers here. Last season with Embiid on the floor, he shot just under 47% from the field. He shot 42% from three and had a true shooting percentage just over 63%. With Embiid off the floor, he shot just under 39% from the field. He shot 35.5% from three, and his true shooting percentage was 54.8. And that's not going to, that doesn't tell the whole story. Part of it has to do with, you know, the Sixers' backup center rotation that was consistently awful all year long. Um, Some of the other players he was with who didn't really help uh, optimize his shooting ability. Uh, But I do think they would actually benefit to put Redick in the starting lineup, pair him with a guy like Zion who's not going to have the same impact on, you know, kind of downhill gravity that Joel Embiid has yet. But he's definitely, you know, the most impactful player on the team, I think, in terms of, you know, optimizing Redick. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that I, I've repeatedly been bringing up on the podcast. Obviously, the Pelicans need to start Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, and they also need to find a way to get minutes to Josh Hart just in terms of assessing these players' values before they enter free agency. Brandon Ingram, as soon as next offseason, uh, is going to enter restricted free agency, and then they'll have to make a decision on Josh and Lonzo, I think, the following offseason. So uh, it's an interesting spot when you've got a 35-year-old on a two-year contract that you want to get minutes to. Um, and I'll just ask this, but whether he starts or not, he has played 27 minutes or more dating back all the way back to his time with Orlando in 2010, 2011. So it's good that you brought up uh, what kind of sample size we're dealing with in terms of starting versus coming off the bench. Uh, Last season, Adam, uh, I just put the numbers away. Okay, here we go. Only 74 attempts from the left and right corner, and he was remarkably efficient from both. He took 520 of his three-point shots from above the break. Uh, why doesn't he get more looks from the corner? Uh, I think the biggest reason is that the Sixers for like literally several years did not have a competent pick-and-roll ball handler. So their offense has, for years now, especially when Reddick came into the fold two years ago, been motion based and and the hub of their offense basically for two years was uh, actions involving Redick and Embiid, particularly at the elbows. There would be a lot of dribble handoff actions, and they had some counters where Redick would screen for Embiid, and that's probably his most underrated skill is is screening for bigs. He's very good at that. Um, but as for corner threes, uh, I'm sure if you looked at any shot chart of somebody who has played a significant amount of time with the Sixers recently. Uh, there are going to be more less corner three attempts than you probably would have imagined. Um, and I think that more has to do with uh, the Sixers and the personnel they had available for them for, for most of his Sixers tenure uh, than it does him himself. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Adam, I've got a question I've been wanting to ask anybody that's watched practically every Philly game last year, and that is you guys had what's considered, I think by most, to have the best starting five in the league last year. So I'm curious, Redick is 
often, you know, when you look at especially highlights of him, he's always, you know, shooting the ball. I'm curious with when when those guys started to mesh together, you know, when I'm talking about Tobias Harris, Jimmy Butler, once they all start getting acclimated to one another, did Reddick's game kind of open up the offenses either for them and also did Reddick become a little bit more of a cerebral player to where he didn't always look for a shot and instead he would find and hit the open man? Because the reason I'm asking is the Pelicans are going to have a lot of, you know, talent around Reddick as to where Holiday, Favors, uh, Zion, a lot of other players like Ingram and, and, and some guys off the bench, they're going to be able to score. So I'm curious, can Reddick find the open man and – does he possess like something more than just being a shooter, maybe a poor defender in your mind? Um, I wouldn't expect him to, you know, beat anybody off the dribble, create plays for others. There are certainly times where, let's say, he catches a pass at the three-point line and he knows the defender's going to come flying into contest and he pump fakes and takes a few dribbles in and thumps it off to a big man or kicks it mm-hmm. out to an open shooter. Uh, but as for kind of being a complementary piece, uh, he's kind of the perfect complementary piece because he doesn't, like, even if he's not taking threes, the defense is always accounting for him. Not, you know, it's kind of similar to how teams defend the Warriors with Steph Curry, obviously, to a less extreme extent. But when J.J. Redick is on the floor, the other team always has to keep tabs on him. And it's hard to, you know, hide a good defense, hide a bad defender on him, because you need somebody who can navigate through screens, who is smart enough to not, you know, get deceived by Redick's off-ball movement. So, so even when he's not necessarily shooting eight threes on a given night and maybe Drew Holiday and Zion have both taken 15 shots. Uh, he could still have his impact on the game just through his presence on the floor and, and the gravity that he provides. Talk a bit more about that, Adam, because obviously J.J. Redick is is being brought in more so uh, for the three-point shooting that he does than for the leadership role that he's uh, supposed to fill with the New Orleans Pelicans. David Griffin called him his number one target in free agency, and a lot of that has to do with the kind of man he is off the court as well as on the court. Uh, you mentioned his basketball intelligence, putting guys in the right positions to succeed, even when he's not shooting the deep ball. Talk a bit more about his personality and how well he's going to service the Pelicans young core, these, these Lakers guys who have been so accustomed to this, to this dreary locker room where they're constantly in trade talks. How is having somebody like JJ Redick in in the locker room going to help that? I think it's definitely going to help. I mean, you look at Redick, he's a guy who's basically been in every situation you can be now. Um, And, and from, from what I know with his time with the Sixers, he was kind of a lead by example guy, not as much like get in front of the team and give a rah-rah speech. But, you know, he, he showed the team how to work with, you know, he has a consistent work ethic. He does the same routine before every single game. Um, and, and I know for a fact that players like Joel Embiid loved Redick and, and were not exactly thrilled that he ended up leaving the Sixers. Uh, so I think he'll be a valuable off-court uh, addition to the Pelicans locker room. I think it's a good point that you made about uh, these guys coming from the Lakers who just spent a whole season in trade talks. Um, I think they're definitely going to be in a much better environment. And I think JJ is, is a part of that. Here's one that's a little bit different for you, um, Adam. And and it's, what would you say, or whether it's a story, whether it's some fact about his game, but what's one thing that you would say that most of us don't know about JJ Reddick? Like for instance, we know he's a big foodie. Um, you very, you guys already touched on, he's not really a type A personality, but what would you say is something else that we should know about him that we probably don't? Ooh, wow. Okay. Um, take your time, I man. Earlier, I know it's a curveball. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mentioned earlier about his routine. Um, when I said he does the same routine 
before every game. I mean, literally, he takes the same amount of shots from every single spot. It's the same amount of time. There was a new, I think there was a New York Times article about it. Um, and I've, I've been to, obviously, many Sixers games. And when I get there before the game starts, and sometimes you just watch him warm up, and it's like he's a robot where every single shot goes in. It's the same form every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would say, uh, you know, you could probably infer this because he's such a good shooter and he's a professional basketball player. Uh, but when when you're, like, watching him consistently and he's got the same mechanics down that he's repeating over and over and over, uh, that particularly was, was impressive to watch for me. All right, Adam, we're going to let you go on this. Uh, obviously, uh, something that has been brought up its fair share of times. J.J. Redick has never missed the playoffs in his 13-year uh, career. And he said one of the reasons he came to New Orleans was because he doesn't uh, plan on ending that streak now. That's something that he's mentioned on his podcast. Do you? Th- what do you think about what the Pelicans have done? Do you think that a player like J.J. Redick can bring them back to the playoffs in an overcrowded Western Conference? I've been a big fan of their offseason, although it seems like basically everybody is at this point. Um, and I definitely think he can, you know, be a significant help in getting to the playoffs. Once you get to the postseason, I'm a little more skeptical of his impact, which is its own discussion. But in the regular season, I, I don't think there's any measurement by which it's not clear that he's, you know, a massively impactful player. Uh, yes, the defense is not as good as you'd want it to be, but the, the shooting is just so, so good. And the impact it has on a team's offense, the way it can open up the floor for young players like Zion Williamson. It's the perfect guy to pair with Zion where you're just giving him more space to operate. Um, so I do think he can help them get to the playoffs. Um, I, I wouldn't be ready to rely on him in the playoffs. I think that was one of the tough parts of the Sixers' last few playoff runs uh, because his game just doesn't translate as well in the postseason. Uh, But to get back to your original question, I definitely think he can help them get to the playoffs again. Hey, Adam, I know Preston said that was the last one, but I got one more for you because there's a lot of Philly fans, myself included, and we really liked your team. I mean, you guys were one bounce away from, you know, knocking off the Toronto Raptors. So I'm curious, what are your individual thoughts on this new team as currently constructed where you brought in Josh Richardson, signed Al Horford, and lost, you know, some key pieces like, of course, Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick? Do you guys think you'll be beat better or you'll take a step back this year? Um, I think they'll be a better team than they were last year just, just alone. You know, you look at last year's team, the first almost quarter of the season, if not actually the first quarter of the season, they were starting Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons together. So two primary initiators, neither of which can shoot. Uh, so the spacing was disastrous. And then they trade for Jimmy Butler, and that's like a, almost like a second whole new team. And then they make the Tobias Harris trade. They basically had three iterations of one roster in a season. And they didn't have an offseason to like, hey, I'm Jimmy Butler, and now I learn how to play with Tobias Harris. They, and they didn't really get to work on those things. So now – you know, it's, it's kind of a funky roster, and I'm curious to see how Brett Brown makes it all work. But at least they have, you know, an offseason and a training camp to, you know, tailor their playbook, tailor their tendencies to the roster they have instead of going into a season where you're not planning to have any real uh, shot creators on your roster other than Ben Simmons, and then all of a sudden Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris walk in the door. Um, but I do – so I do think it's a better team – I would have liked to see them bring back Jimmy Butler. It seems like he was just 
not ready to come back. And if that's the case, I think they probably uh, salvaged it the best they could. Getting Horford and, and to get a player like Richardson in a sign-and-trade for Butler, I don't think people uh, are, are properly acknowledging the importance of that because Richardson has two years left on a pretty cheap salary. He's making just over $10 million in each of the next two years, and he's a really good player, and he's not going to be what Jimmy Butler was, but he's going to help them on both ends. So I think I think they're better, if if not because of just looking at Butler, Reddick out, Horford, Richardson in. Uh, I think they're better because you look at uh, you look at all the stuff that Brett Brown had to deal with last year in terms of like constant roster turnover, and now he's not going to have to deal with that. All right, great stuff. That's Adam Aronson. You guys can follow him at Sixers Adam. You can find all of his work at Liberty Ballers. We greatly appreciate your time, sir. Uh, once again, Liberty Ballers, anything you've got uh, our Pelicans fans or anything you'd like for them to check out of your work? Uh, no, not right now. Uh, I've got nothing. All right, great. Let's move right it's along. It's the offseason, man. It's, Enjoy the I know. time off. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're pushing these individual player profiles on J.J. Redick and Nicola Melli right now, so we certainly understand. Uh, but lucky for us, you guys can go to thebirdrights.com right now, and you can check out Penn Pfeiffer's uh, new article on Nicola Melli, uh, 3,000 words, a video breakdown. We've got some other great stuff from Mike DeLeo, Ale Cosell's always writing, so make sure you guys check out that. If you want to donate to the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com slash Preston Ellis, or you can just go to our podcast app, or your podcast app, I should say, and give us a five-star rating. We greatly appreciate Appreciate all of that. All right, Ollie, I didn't let you close on the last podcast. What are you working on, sir? I'm just going to write up a quick news round today. Then I'm going to get a bunch of roundtable questions, as you know, out to the group. And eventually I'm going to have all my in-depth looks at our rookies, specifically Hayes and Nikhil Walker, and breaking down them through the eyes of a, you know, a scout, see what I see, and you know, pass along how excited we should be. Sounds great. For now, I'm Preston Ellis. Make sure you follow Ali at Ali Cosell. And thank you guys for listening. Let's go, pals. Thank you for listening to the Bird Calls on the Off the Glass, Nothing But Net, and Up and Under podcast networks. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance.